Arf, Pup Akis here with The Dog Dish, a podcast all about puppy play and the humans behind the hoods. This episode serves a couple of purposes. First, it's an attempt to restart this project that fizzled out when I got distracted by squirrels. I mean, silly human projects like work and adulting and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I know. The second purpose here is to catch up on old recordings I made with the intention of sharing them on this show. I hosted a couple conversations at various events and recorded them to share with those who couldn't make it. I have at least three of those recordings, maybe four if I can remember where I buried that other one in the backyard. And I'll share those with you while I work on lining up other interviews. And the third purpose of this episode is to try and provide a sense of community and togetherness while we're all in isolation. I know the social distance has really taken a toll on some folks, and I hope the chance to eavesdrop on a virtual class helps you feel like you're a part of a larger discussion. The recording I'm sharing here in a minute is particularly well-suited for the job. It's a talk I gave at the Tampa Bay Leather and Kink Social. That event is, well, was, before everything shut down for the novel coronavirus, uh, that event is a monthly gathering of folks from around the Tampa Bay area, regardless of what scene they're involved in. It's casual, it's fun, and most importantly, it's social. There are no contests or fundraisers involved, only an opportunity to spend time together with kindred spirits. It's that feeling that I want to share with you here. I hope you get a sense of casual gathering around friends, and I hope you can sort of lose yourself in the conversation for a bit. It's not much, but it's the best I can offer from this side of the microphone. I do hope it helps. But before I press play on the recording, I want to point out that my notes from this talk are available and open for comment as a Google Doc. Just go to bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y, slash social hyphen healthy hyphen headspace. So that's bit dot L-Y slash social hyphen healthy hyphen headspace. Go there to follow along and add your own ideas to the discussion. That link is also in the show notes and in the episode transcript, both of which are available at dogdishshow.com. All right, that's enough housekeeping. Now, grab a chew toy, maybe find a comfy lap, and perk up your ears. Here's my talk from all the way back on January 5th, 2019, called Healthy Headspace. First off, thank you all for showing up. This is a really good crowd. I'm really glad to see this many people here. Um, it's, it's reassuring to just have that sense of community building and, and this kind of interest in this sort of event. So I wanted to talk tonight about healthy headspace. And I intentionally want to make this a little bit more broad than just Puppy 101 sort of thing. Um, there are enough pups in the room, in the room, whatever, that I probably don't need to be talking about puppy play. I'm going to make this a little bit more broad, particularly for people who aren't familiar with pet play of various kinds. Um, and fundamentally, the connection among everyone who's into pet play, be it puppies, kitties, whatever animals we have, there's a whole bunch in the community, the, the, the main connecting thread among all of them is the headspace that we get into. And that's the mindset that we're in when we are basically performing the role of those animals. And if you're not familiar with pet play, the easiest way to kind of get your mind wrapped around it at first is to think of um, like letting your inner animal out. Um, people who identify as a puppy will often basically have an inner pup in them and they will let that inner pup out at different times. And it gets weird because, like, Graf is nodding as I'm saying this because he knows what it's like to let that pup out. Sometimes it comes out when he's walking around on two feet, looks like a human, smells like a human, but 
barks. Right. In those moments, that's basically just letting the inner pup out. That's different than, uh, than getting into headspace. When you're in headspace as a pet player, it's trying to separate your mind from what's normal for humans and getting it based on what's normal for that species. So for puppies, it's all about the simplicity of mind and getting excited about just about anything and hating squirrels and barking at cats. Like, that's our job. The, the appeal of pet play is that mentality, that simplicity of mind, that escapism, where we don't have to worry about human concerns and you know, like filing our taxes and when we have to work next, just playing around and being silly and being goofy or relaxing or whatever it is that our species does that kind of speaks to us. Because of that, because the goal of pet play is to mentally escape, we have to be very careful about how we go about doing it because we can get ourselves into a lot of trouble. If you've got a biological canine at home, you know the concept of making your house dog-proof or puppy-proof. You're all laughing, this is good. <laughs> the same applies to us when we are in headspace. If, if a space is not puppy-proof, like biological puppy-proof, it is not going to be human puppy-proof either because we are going to try and get into the exact same trouble that a real dog is going to get into. So if you've got someone around who wants to play around with pet play, even if they just want to experiment or explore their first time ever sort of thing, before they do, while they're still a human, while they still think like a human, while they still speak to you in English, have conversations about what's going to happen, what they're going to do, where they're going to go, and then safe the room. Look around for things that they will get in trouble with, things that will hurt them. Sharp objects are a very bad idea, basically. Um, I asked a whole bunch of critters this past week, knowing that I was going to be talking here, I asked them what things are most important to them during pet play. And the number one response I got was soft, squishy stuff. Yes. Right? Okay. So, like, there's a reason I carry this with me when I'm in the bar. Chew toys are amazing. Um, but but the, the hard surfaces are, are dangerous. And if someone's being rambunctious as an animal, they can bump into stuff and harden themselves. Um, if you're gonna be, in, uh, blah, blah, blah. if you're gonna be experimenting with pet play in something a little bit more public, um, I, I have to say, like, I'm contractually obligated to make sure I say the two required pieces of gear are gloves and knee pads because whether you know it or not, you're gonna skin your knees and you're gonna skin your knuckles just by playing around faster than you think. And when someone gets into headspace, they're worried about having fun, being silly, chasing squirrels, whatever, and not, oh, my knuckles are raw, I need to stop playing around. Like, that is not a thought that a dog has. That is not a thought that an animal has. So that's not something that would occur to someone engaging in pet play. So I think what you might get the sense of by now is that when someone's engaging in pet play, it's super important to have someone near them who isn't. The further someone gets into headspace, the more dangerous the situation becomes. And, and you know, no, it's not usually a matter of life and death and all that, but they can get out of their minds and not think things through and they need someone to look after them. So when from the puppy community, at least, when we have very large events, we call them moshes. We put um, uh, wrestling mats down on a large space, and all the pups get there, and it's, 
If you've never seen one before, it's the most ridiculous thing ever. It's a whole bunch of grown adults crawling around on all fours, acting silly, passing chew toys around, barking at each other. It's ridiculous. But it's so fun. <laughs> there are squeakies. Some of us growl at the squeakies, so don't go there. Um, but when puppies have these large public events, there are always people walking around the periphery, watching the pups, making sure they don't get into trouble, make sure everyone's taken care of. Um, if you're in the BDSM community, it's the equivalent of a DM. We have those, we need those because it is a scene. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I would say negotiation. So the question was, um, if someone's going to engage in pet play with a handler or someone who is not the pet there to help out, is it the, uh, tell me if I'm paraphrasing this right, is it the human's responsibility or the pet's responsibility to bring care items um, and, and make sure that there's water available and that sort of thing? Um, during care, that sort of thing, yep. And, and I'm glad you pointed out water because that is the single most important thing to remember while people are engaging in pet play because animals will get rambunctious and they will sweat and humans aren't used to walking around on four feet. It takes a lot more energy than we realize. We get exhausted real dang quick. And I, I have been in, in headspace enough before that I got exhausted and didn't realize that I was thirsty until someone walked up and said, hey pup, you need some water. I was like, Oh, yeah, I actually do. And they chugged a glass real quick. I would say that the handler should probably be the one to, to take the responsibility for that. However, if you're a pet and you're going to engage in that kind of play, things you need to check before you dive into headspace would be physical safety of the room. Um, I highly recommend anyone interested in trying out pet play, the first time you do it, first of all, be around people you know and trust because you're getting out of your mind. You need to have people around that'll take care of you and watch out for you. Um, but second, know where you can go to get away. Know where you can go to indicate that you're done. That sort of thing. Because getting into headspace, it can be difficult to get back out again. And so this is a conversation worth having with whoever is going to be with you during this experience. Um, I will admit, I don't have a great solution for myself yet. If I get really heavily into headspace, I don't have a thing that will trigger me to get me out of it. Some people do. Some people just need space and alone time. Uh, but what I've found is I need to get away from other pups and I need to be basically in a room by myself and then I'll just kind of have my come to moment and I will I'll walk into the room as a puppy, walk out of the room as a human. It's like Superman in his phone booth. <laughs> Same basic idea. Um, but if you're gonna be engaging in pet play, you need to know how to leave. And that's something we often forget because we're so excited to get into that headspace that we forget that it takes work to get back out of it again. Um, if you're going to be the handler of someone, or if you're gonna be watching over somebody engaging in pet play, you might wanna have that conversation beforehand and just say, how will I know when you're done? How will I know when you've had enough? Or what do I do if I need you to be a human again? Those sorts of questions are really valid. They might not have a good answer for it. Like I said, I don't have a great answer for me, but that conversation will help establish trust and will let you know, you know what options are available. Um, there's one other thought that just crossed my mind and it's slipping, shoot. Yes, that. Um, 
getting into headspace and out of headspace and gosh darn it. Okay, it's going to come back at fun? some point. Sorry? Remember to have fun? Well, yeah. Remember to have fun, definitely. Um, Negotiating. That'll do. That'll do. Thank you. <laughs> Negotiating. Good. Nice recovery. Thank you. Um, so remember that when someone's engaging in pet play, once they have achieved headspace, you cannot talk with them anymore. That's the thing I wanted to say. Thank you. When someone's in headspace, the best thing you can do to psychologically help them stay there is to treat them like that species, not like a person pretending to be that species. That sounds subtle, but oh my gosh, it makes a difference. So if you've got someone, I'm gonna use puppy just because that's what I know, sorry. If you've got a, pup, a human pup that walks up to you and you say, oh, hey there, how's it going? You remember that conversation we had at the bar last week? Like, no, that's gonna ruin the, the psychology going on there. That's going to either confuse the human pup or it's gonna pull them out of headspace unnecessarily. What you do is you treat that person as much like a dog or whatever species as you possibly can. Whatever you would normally do when a biological canine walks up to you, you do that to the human pup. And that human pup will appreciate it. That's the whole point. So the more you treat them like that species, the more comfortable they're going to be and the more wrapped up in their headspace they're going to be. Now, along those lines, once they're in that headspace, they want to be treated like that animal. You don't really negotiate consent with a canine, right? I would argue that dogs would negotiate amongst themselves. Like, dogs will growl if they don't approve of something. Dogs will sniff to try and inspect something. Like, there is a little bit of negotiation there, but between the human and the pet that's playing, you need to have that conversation before they drop into headspace, because once they do, all bets are off. So just basically just remember that the whole point of pet play is to get out of your mind with all the joys and the terrors that come along with that. Terriers. Sorry? Or terriers. Or terriers. Ah. Oh, so, um, so, okay, I think I've covered all the major points that I wanted to, to discuss. At this point, I do want to open it up for questions. What have I not said that you wanted me to talk about? What questions do you have about pet play or headspace in general? Um, kind of a big tip from both sides of it. Um, Pups, when you are in a group headspace, if you have not done this, it can be interesting. So try to be aware as much as you can. I've seen pups drop into deep headspace and wash it. It's dangerous. Yeah. Therefore, from the handler perspective, handlers, when you're walking around, you see a pup starting to drop into headspace, take them aside, give them some water. It'll at least calm them down, if not pull them a little bit out of the headspace and keep them safe. So I, th I think the rule of thumb there is to remember the people involved in the scene. And the more familiar you are with those people, the more you trust those people, the safer it is for you to get deeper into headspace. Right. If you're in a large public environment, like, I'm not dropping into headspace tonight, round all y'all. Love you, mean it, but I don't know you enough to let myself go to that extent. And if you, sorry. You're good. Did it come out of your nose? No. Damn. I'll try harder. That closer to me. So it, when, when you're experimenting with pet play, the more you trust the people, the further into headspace you can go. And if you are in a large public situation, it's too dangerous to get too far into headspace. And that's another thing that comes with time and experimentation to know what it feels like to be in that sort of pseudo headspace mode where you are inhabiting that, that 
character, if you will, but you still retain enough of your, your rational faculties to know when you're getting yourself into trouble and, and whatnot. Yeah, thank you. You had a question. Yeah, sort of. Um, so obviously Kitty. Um, I find I'm a very playful kitty. And like, so I've been with like other kitties and foxes, and those are kind of very easy to match with. But I found myself in the middle of a puppy mosh wanting to play with the puppies, mm -hmm. and then all of them just kind of got disinterested, and so I backed out and let them have their fun. But how do you as a pup go about interspecies play in groups and such? So I'm probably not a fair person to ask that of because I think I have a, a, an unusual approach to that. The, the question, in case somebody didn't hear, how do puppies deal with interspecies interactions? Um, if we're in headspace, what do we do when someone of another species comes up and says hi? Um, I basically play the role. If I see a cat, I'm going to bark at you, but I'm, I'm also not going to like attack you and go for the jugular. I might chase, and based on whether you, like, you run, I would then continue the chase. If not, I mean, dogs and cats can coexist. It's just all a matter of how they get on with each other. Um, so. It, it goes back to that whole treat them as the animal sort of thing. So I would treat you as a cat and, and, and expect you, you. Exactly. And, and if you bat at <laughs> but, but that's the thing. If you bat at me on my nose, I'm going to know to stay away from you. If you bat at me somewhere else, I'm going to know you're being playful. And, and so that's how two species would engage in consent type interactions. I use the word loosely. I get that I'm you know, slippery slope here. But when two people are in headspace, that's like what they have to do. You use what's nat native to your species to, to do those negotiations. Um, fun little aside, my name, Acus, is uh, derived from the, um, the, the Latin word uh, that we use to get equality. Um, I am very worried in headspace uh, uh, and as a human about making sure that everybody is like included and treated fairly and all that. And so when I'm in headspace, when I'm in a mosh, I'm very worried about, about kitties on the sidelines. I want to make sure they feel included. So my personal answer to your question is, I would go up to you and I would try and find ways to engage with you and interact with you. I know a lot of other pups who wouldn't, because you're a cat, they might attack. I'm also going to address the elephant in the room, gender. There are a lot of pups who will not engage with female pets. It's, it's an unfortunate truth. I, I hate it, but it's there. Um, a lot of folks in the pup community um, I've heard people even say it in so many words that they think that women don't belong in pet play. Agreed. Uh, Agreed. Agreed. So. Not all doggies are good boys. Some doggos are good girls. Yes. Indeed. And 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 some doggos aren't good. Period. Because they hold beliefs that. Right. Right. So touchy subject, but it's there. So that might have been part of the response that you saw. Okay. Might have been based on gender, not species. Much as I hate it, it might Depends be there. The Get you in just a second. Saw his first. Yep. How would you suggest or what precautions would you take in engaging in pet play privately with another pet? Uh, with a human around or just pet and pet? Just pet to pet. Okay. So the question was, what precautions will we take if we are going to be in a private venue with two pets playing, no human around? My short answer is I wouldn't do that, <laughs> quite honestly. Um, so I've been trapped in headspace before. I've been, I've been so far into headspace that I did not know how to get myself out of it, and I needed a person around to help kind of pull me out and treat me more like a person and less like a dog, and that's what helped me get there. Um, 
I've also had a time where I had to literally rip the hood off of my head to force myself to get out of headspace because I knew that it was not working with my scenario. Because it's easy to get in those situations, having pet-on-pet -pet engagements without a human around is a bigger risk than I think is probably a good idea. Um, if you choose to do that, though, um, make sure you do all your negotiations ahead of time. What are we going to engage in? What kind of play are we going to do? Is it going to be uh, soft, low impact? Is it going to be heavy, hardcore, like wrestling all out? Um, is sex involved in this play? Some pets do and don't do that. Um, and then how long do we expect to be engaging in this play? What do we need to do to, to indicate that we're finished? Like those sorts of things I think would be the absolute minimum essentials. Um, and then, like you mentioned water, I would have water dishes set out because you'll, you'll not realize it until it's too late and then you need to get a, a drink. Um, any other pets have something to add to that one? Because it's a good question. I don't feel qualified to fully answer. No, I'm not a pet. Okay. Um, my one session I know a couple that had this issue, they set timers. But something with the time, you have to set an alarm that immediately charge you out of headspace like a song, not mm -hmm. just a general tone. Because mm -hmm. it'll pull you back. <laughs> what was that? Alexa. Uh, <laughs> so to make sure everybody heard, the suggestion was to set a timer so that there is a, an obvious cue when it's finished and to not use a generic beeping sound, but to make it a song. I would say something that involves language is yes. probably the best way to pull someone out. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yes. Actually, because the both of us are pet-to-pet -pet relationship, he's dog, I'm a pup. Our relationship defines on who goes in the headspace first. If we're being intimate in a pet-to-pet -pet relationship, and he starts flipping in the headspace first, I have to know myself to be or not. Because if we both flip in the headspace, it can end up really weird. Or, or vice versa. Right. Yeah. So we have to learn each other's triggers to know what starts putting us in the headspace Because for me, personally, my headspace is always my When I start to lose my humanity, I started falling into that. So, so the less and less I human, the more and more I puppy, and he knows that. So it sounds to me like you're saying basically there needs to be a human in the room, right, right. some sort or another, because and you're also, yeah, and you're also um, reminding us that there are different degrees of headspace. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I might like, for example, go into. I'm sorry to interrupt. No. I might go into my dog headspace, but I'm more of a protective type anyway, mm -hmm. so I let him sink. Mm -hmm. still yeah. So yeah, it's it's very good question to ask, but it's something to really worry about, really pay attention to, because um, I, I don't think it's a good idea to have two people. There was a question from back here. Are you sure? Okay. So my question. Yeah. Um, I don't know if this is more semantics versus um, negotiations or just in general, but how would you handle or anybody I should say at that matter? Um, So the, the question was, um, how do we deal with the boundary between pet play and primal play, and, and how do we negotiate that, something to that effect? Um, the only answer I can think of is that has to be done while you're still human, and that just, it has to be an upfront, flat-out conversation. Um, that just, you know, I'm interested in engaging in this kind of play, 
How does that work? What are you interested in engaging in? How will that be compatible? And if you know that you are a primal person, bring that up before you drop into Headspace, before the other person drops into Headspace. And, and it, basically, at that point, it's a heads up because some people might not be ready to go that far into it. Because my thoughts are, we've got like four or five different pups that are hanging out, and somebody that has already sort of negotiated that they're primal, they identify with the, the tiger. You know, we got pups running around, the tiger jumps in. Yeah. I don't see many pups laying around. Right. Yeah, so basically know what you're getting yourself into, know the species that are involved, and know what you expect out of the play session. Yep. Uh, are there hands up over here that I haven't seen? Okay, just, just making sure I wasn't abandoning you all. Yep. It would boil down basically the same as any DS or BDSMC discussed beforehand. Safe, safe, consensual, risk, okay, any of that stuff. Discuss it beforehand, that way everybody's safe no matter what the situation is. And what I can't emphasize enough is that when someone gets into Headspace, they cannot communicate with you the way you want them to. And I would go so far as to say a pup cannot, or a, a pet cannot officially grant consent while they're in that Headspace because they are not thinking in those terms. The word consent has no meaning when someone's a pet. So it has to be discussed before they drop in. Yeah. So my question would be, so say you're in Headspace. I'll repeat the question. Well, that too. <laughs> so, say you're in headspace as far as, and you finally had that moment where you've had enough and you're done and you're ready to stop, but someone, you know, sees this and you're like, they think that you're okay or you're not okay and they want to check in. Like, how do you let them know, like, okay, I'm ready to be out of this? And it's someone you may not know because you're in a big group. Someone's just like, oh my God, I'm so worried about you. How would you? So the, the question was, how do you indicate to someone, if you're in headspace, how do you indicate to someone that you're done? Um, I'm going to cheat. So I'm going to cheat. And I'm going to go back to the interact with the, the pet as the species, not as a person. If I am a dog and I am an exhausted dog, I am going to do what an exhausted dog would do. I am going to curl up in a little ball and I'm just done. I will probably be panting, I'm not gonna move around, and I'm just gonna flop over and that's it. And I'm gonna be out, down for the count. And you would see that as a human. You would notice that I was just done. So that's, that's my side of it. The human side of it is to remember how you would interact with a biological canine. The best that you could do with one of them is ask yes or no questions. And you know that the responses are either going to be wagging or growling. That's yes and no in dog speak. So you could say, is doggy okay? Um, do you need water? Those sorts of simple questions can usually get through, especially if you remember the way you talk to a dog. It's all about how you say it more than what you say. So you can tell a dog, oh, you're a cute little asshole, and they will love you for it, right? <laughs> Same thing happens when we're in headspace. So if you have water in hand and say, this pup needs some water, that will get their attention, and they should be able to interact with you. Fair answer? Yep. Thank you. Now, are you asking when there's a DM there, or are you asking when there's an unmanned pit mosh? I would say more unmanned because the fact of it is I've been to many events and so is he as far as where there's not always a DM available. You're at an event or you're at a party and you want to get in headspace and then... So you I'll have to hope that there's a handler that pays attention to you? No, not necessarily, but the thing about it is sometimes you get into that environment where you're, you know, you 
you just relaxed yourself enough to get into it. And then, not that you're not worried about somebody watching out for you, but it's the thing about if you're a human watching and you're like, how do I know if he's having fun or if he needs a break and needs to come out of that? So I don't know about the rest of you, but I heard the, the judgment in her tone just now of the hoping thing. I'm lucky I'm holding her back. <laughs> no. As a DM that DMs the kind of type, yes. type of thing, I would have been all over that kind no, of no, behavior. I, yeah. But, but it bothers that. me when there's not somebody willing to watch out for pups and for, for other pets that play in a, in a mosh. Um, I, anytime I see a mosh, I watch out for that kind of thing because not all pets have handlers. Right. Um, but if you are watching a mosh and you see a pet doing that and they don't have a handler, please Step try up. to ask them if they need help. The flip side of that, if you're a pet about to engage in play, make sure you know who's around to help you. Like, you should not get yourself into that position in the first place. You should have checked. You should have a buddy with you. You should be like, hey, keep an eye out. First, let them know who you are and what you might have problems Somebody, somebody, watch your back, please. But some people are new and have never been in a pup headspace before and then they get into that. Well, what I was just going to say, if you've never done pet play before and you're about to go into some public environment, Say you are new. Tell everybody, I'm new. I don't know what I'm doing, I'm new. You would be amazed how much people will care about you, come out of the woodwork to take care of you, to watch over you. Some, uh, some larger moshes will put like a wristband on or something like that to make it visibly obvious that you need extra help. But tell people you're new and they will help. So I, I think the, the theme here is, if it's done right, the, the pet is going to not be able to engage, so there's a whole lot that needs to go on beforehand. Um, and I think a lot of people kind of overlook the importance of negotiations and discussions before pet play, because it seems like, oh, they're just going to romp around on the floor, that's fun, that's silly, who cares? It's dangerous. There's a lot that can go wrong. So have conversations beforehand and be there to help out and like, explore and experiment. And then also, if you're interested in engaging in pet play, look around at the number of people who have these crazy ears on right now. You've got folks who are willing to help. We probably would love to show you how pet play works for us. We'd probably love to start romping around with you, right? So use the resources. Any other questions? I feel like we're about ready to wrap up. Yeah, yeah, I'm totally happy to answer questions later on. Agreed. Thank you very much. So, first off, was he not amazing? Did he not get a great class? Because, I mean, I was engaged the entire time. Yay! Yes. So, again, you know. Yes. Good job. Thanks. Turn around. Turn around. He is actually. Yes. 
He is actually our current Florida Leather and Fetish Pride Critter 2019. So he ha he's an advocate for all critters, whether you're a puppy, whether you're a kitty, whether you may be anything in between. As far as, but again, thank you so much for coming out. As far as, again, this is a place that we want to make sure that everyone feels safe, feel welcome, no matter what you're into, no matter as far as how you identify. We want you to come out and have a good time. So thank you so much for everybody coming out. And everybody, again, give Akis a round of applause for being such a great class. Thanks for listening to The Dog Dish, and special thanks to Baby Pup Bandit for inviting me to talk, and to Cityside Lounge in Tampa for hosting the social each month. In the next episode, I'll present a class about the power of headspace. In the meantime, go tell your favorite podcast player to fetch, so you'll hear the next episode once it's released. Or you can visit dogdishshow.com for all episodes, for more information, or just to get in touch. But until then, you stay. Stay tuned for more, that is. Rough.